All right. Thank you, guys. Go ahead and make your way back to your seat. We're going to get started. We got an awesome Sunday. This is most people's favorite Sunday. You'll find out why in just a second. All right. Settle down. Settle down. All right. Here we go. There you go. Break it up. Bring your drink in. Have a seat. We're getting started. Welcome, everybody. So this is an this is an exciting Sunday. Uh, it's one of my favorite Sundays. It's many people's favorite Sunday, um, and it's not even Super Bowl Sunday because that's next Sunday. But this is still a great Sunday, and that is because it's Testimony Sunday. We're going to get to hear people's testimonies, which I'm so excited about. And uh, so you guys may not know this about you, so I need to tell you, and I don't mean to offend you, but this might offend you. You don't know how intimidating you can be just sitting there, just being who you are and looking this way. So we're going to have three people come up here with a microphone and stand in front of you and share their testimony of what God has been doing in their life. And this is, we love setting aside a few Sundays a year to do this because God likes to speak to and through his kids, not just like leader people or like pastor people. He likes to speak to and through his kids. And if you're one of his kids, you've been adopted into his family by his grace through salvation of what Jesus did on a cross, you, you're one of his kids. And uh, he's, he's always up to something in your life. He's working in you or through you. He's doing something for you. And then we get to uh, share what that is to the whole world. So I say all that, that you're intimidating. I know you don't mean to be. And so, but I say that because when I invite these people up, I want you to cheer the heck out of them, all right? Clap for them, make them feel so welcome and special. And so would you please do that for our first person, Miss Lindsay Keys. Thank you, Lindsay. She, she asked specifically if she could have bumper music on the way up, and we told her... She doesn't get her own music to come up here. You offered. Oh, that's true. All right. And then so, you took it away. And then I took it away. It was We Will Rock You. I don't know. I didn't know <laughs> if that, we should do that or not. So thank you for sharing this morning. Lord Jesus, bless our friend. Open up our ears to hear. Open up our hearts to receive what you might want to say to us through her in Jesus' name. Amen. Hi. I'm... <laughs> I love you too. <laughs> I'm Lindsay. Um, as Adam said, I am a servant leader um, at youth group, and I am also on the worship team. I've been up here a couple times on a Sunday. Um, I'm also a worship leader on, for youth group. Um, <laughs> I'm also Alan and Shanna's daughter. You probably know who they are, because everybody always knows who they are, and then I'm always just Alan and Shanna's daughter. Um, <laughs> but yeah, what I have to share with you today is something that happened a little while ago that was kind of an encounter I had with Jesus and it kind of changed my thought process about some things and I shared this experience at youth group actually I did a devo on like a game night I think um, and it was really impactful at that time so I thought I'd share it here in hopes that it will at least speak to one person here so for me a lot of the time when I'm stressed or in a really dark place myself is my taking care of myself is the first thing to go both mentally and physically now I've been trying to improve on this but I felt the mental side was way more important than the physical side so I just been working on my head but ignoring my body I wasn't sleeping enough I wasn't eating enough I went four days without showering <laughs> um 
kind of gross, but it's okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> my physical well-being was an afterthought for me. And I thought that was okay because I'd never really heard much in church that told me I needed to take care of myself. But I was so exhausted. I couldn't feel true joy because I was robbing myself of the things that I needed. One night, I was laying in my bed, feeling very hopeless, very lost, and I laid, sorry, I lost my place. <laughs> I laid there and I just broke down crying. There were a lot of things burdening me and I didn't know what to do with all of them. I laid there feeling confused and angry at Jesus because he wasn't fixing anything for me. As I laid there, I felt a nudge to go to the beach on a cloudy day with Jesus. To give some context for that, my safe space with Jesus is the beach. I love the beach so much. It has always created a sense of peace for me from the sound of the waves to the feeling of sand beneath me. So I closed my eyes and I tried to imagine being with him on the beach. It took me a sec to get there because my mind was fogged and clouded with a lot of things and it's really hard to focus on Jesus when there's so many other things yelling at you just in your head. But once I did get there, it took, or once I did get there, I looked at him and then I just started crying and laid on his chest and he just held me. I asked him what to do and he didn't say much to me. He just handed me a plant at first and I was really confused. <laughs> I was like, okay, let's do a riddle. <laughs> he looked me in the eyes and he said, take care of this for me. I was like, that's not very helpful, Jesus. I don't, what does that mean? <laughs> um... Then he held my hands, he looked at me in the eyes, and he said, Lindsay, you are important. I want you to take care of yourself the way you might take care of a plant. A plant needs to be watered, bathed in sunlight so it can feed itself. I need to be watered. I need to be taken care of. I realized in that moment the importance of taking care of not just my mental well-being, but also my physical well-being. Now, here's, here's the crazy part. I didn't see it at first, but the plant that he handed me was a plant that I actually had in my bathroom, <laughs> and which is ironic because the bathroom is where I take my showers, and I get ready in the morning, and I take care of myself. I was very stunned in that moment. I was found in awe of the creator and how much he cared for me inside and out. It hurt him to watch me neglect myself. After this encounter with the Lord, I had to change something. I wanted to change my routine. I wanted to water the plant that he gave me. It's not easy at all. <laughs> Balancing taking care of myself mentally and physically while also having school, friends, work, all of the things is really hard. And it's pretty much impossible without God. After having this encounter, I found myself way on the other side and I was ignoring my mental side and just focusing on my physical side. And I was like, this is, this is, it was, it was really hard, and I was like, Jesus, it's not working. And he was like, you, you got to trust me to help you balance them together. Like, you can't just do it on your own. You can't water your plant by yourself because it's impossible. <laughs> it doesn't work. Um, I still find myself on the back burner sometimes, but taking care of my, myself has been a priority for me more recently. In 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20, it says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Our bodies are the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit, and this verse specifically says that we are temples. 
In the time of Jesus and before that, the temple was a holy place that was very well taken care of. Jesus tore down the veil, though, so that the Holy Spirit could live in us, and now it's our responsibility to make sure that we are well taken care of. The way Jesus designed us is so intricate, and it blows my mind, the things that our body does just to keep us alive on a day-to-day basis. Why would I not want to take care of that? So I encourage you not to put yourself on the back burner. I encourage you to water the plant that Jesus gave you. Take an extra long shower or an everything shower, as my sister likes to call it. She does like all of the things that, I don't know, an everything shower. (laughs) (laughs) Take time for you because Jesus paid a price for you and he wants you to thrive while you're on this earth. Thank you. Um, Lindsay's going to be back up here at the end of service for anybody that maybe would you could connect or relate to her story in some way of um, part of what I was taking away is I can relate to some of the self neglect um, that you were speaking to and God had to take me back and even it was even the verse I read this morning in my reading plan where when Jesus is asked what's the most important commandment in the Bible what's the what's the most and he says love God love people as yourself and we forget the yourself i'm trying to love god love people but the, the so often we can neglect that other person that god in his answer to that question made sure you would be included in that verse when he says love people you're a people <laughs> i'm a people and he wants us to help water that so thank you so much for sharing that lindsay i appreciate your transparency that you would uh, just be so open and honest about that struggle because I know that when we can be transparent, it helps encourage transparency in others with whatever it is that they feel maybe insecure about or feel like they're the only one. And I know you're not the only one struggling with that. So thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, all right. So don't forget, remember, you're intimidating. Make sure you clap. Make everybody feel welcome, all right? Uh, this next guy, he doesn't need any bumper music. He's going to sing it himself. Come on down, David Baker. Woo! David, T by ACDC, can we do that? I don't know. I don't know that we can do that. Uh, that I think that's good to go. Yeah, I think that's good to go. Thank you. This you gentleman is uh, in study with me on Fridays. I love this guy. Uh, if you just need to know one thing about him, his favorite movie is The Hurt Locker. He loves that movie so much. No, he doesn't like that movie. He can tell you later what he does for a living and why he hates that movie, and now he hates me for saying that's his favorite movie. But I love you, Dave. Lord Jesus, bless my brother. He gets to share about his journey. Open up our hearts and our ears to receive. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning. Um, as Adam said, I'm, I'm David Baker. Um, I am just going to talk to you today real quick about my kind of my journey um, and some things I've learned along the way. So hopefully it, it speaks to someone and... and uh, Maybe somebody's having a similar journey, not quite far along, and, and can uh, pick something up from what I've learned. So um, I was uh, born and raised in Baltimore, Maryland, in, in and around Baltimore, Maryland, um, and I was brought up in the, in the Episcopal Church. So if you don't know what the Episcopal Church is, it's kind of the, the, the Catholic light. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's all the religion with half the guilt. Um, and uh, it's... but. It, it, it was, and, and this may only make sense to, to people of a certain certain vintage, 
Uh, my upbringing was very waspish. Um, so if you, if you know what that is, um, very sort of East Coast, white Anglo-Saxon Protestant. Um, so not, not, full of, uh, not full of Jesus, not, not uh, a very um, personal approach to Jesus. Uh, so that's, that was my upbringing. Um, my, actually, my last couple of years of high school, I went to a, uh, a Catholic school um, a, uh, uh, run by the Jesuits. And uh, I think that is where I think God really started to work in my life. Um, because to that point, you know, I was, a, I was a child of the 70s, 80s, and 90s. I did all the things that a young man young boy does uh, up to that point. Um, I wasn't terrible, I wasn't great, uh, but uh, when I started going to Loyola, um, we had mandatory religion classes. And I, it's one of the very few teachers I can remember to this day is my, my teacher, Mr. Moeller. Uh, and, and he was a man on fire for God. Like he was, he, and, and God bless him because it's an all boys school and he's teaching classes of, you know, 16, 17, 18, 19 year old guys to, uh, to try and bring us to the realization that uh, there is truth, right? There is uh, absolute truth. There is moral right and wrong. And this is a time, uh, you know, especially when there was a lot of, a lot of, um, uh, Really, the, the, the moral equivalency was, was really gaining a lot of favor. You know, all, all paths can lead to salvation. Every, everybody's truth is their own truth, you know. You, so so he, had to, uh, he had to battle against a bunch of, bunch of uh, late teen boys who thought, well, you know, nobody's wrong. Everybody's, everybody's okay. People are basically good. Um, and so I think that's, he, he, I think it was really where God started to work in me. So fast forward a few years, uh, I went to college for a year. College and I didn't really agree with each other, so uh, I ended up uh, living on my own. Um, and and I had been baptized and gone through confirmation in the Catholic, or excuse me, the Episcopal Church. And so I believed in God, but I didn't really, you know, I believed that God was very impersonal. That that He was the the watchmaker, sort of the the watchmaker God. He put everything in motion and then hands off. And so um, I went about my life, uh, lived a few years, worked a job, had an apartment, had friends. Uh, it was very much a, uh, a low rent version of the sitcom Friends in Baltimore <laughs> instead of New York. Um, and so it was that sort of life and it was very comfortable and I, I enjoyed it, but I, I was looking for something more. So, uh, 1996, I joined the United States Air Force. Um, thank you. Um, and I, I decided, and and my my mother, bless her soul, um, I don't know how she got through this. Um, I decided to to go into a career field called explosive ordnance disposal. So. <laughs> Yeah, so um, basically I played with explosives for a living. Um, disarm bombs, um, it was the most hazardous, most hazardous trash job imaginable. Um, basically we go out on the battlefield, clean up all the hazardous stuff that's left and uh, make it safe for others. So for whatever reason that appealed to me. Um, 
And, uh, and I, I started my journey, uh, 96, 97, going through EOD school. And that is around the second time that God stepped into my life um, and kind of, without me knowing it, pushed me in a, a certain direction. Because that, uh, EOD school, is where I met my amazing and wonderful wife, Anna. So um, you, you, you should ask her the, the story. Um, it's it's uh, quite amusing. We basically met at the mall. So again, a very 90s uh, you know, very 90s path. Um, no, no, not the food court. Toy store. <laughs> Toy store, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, we'll go more into that, you know, after, after service. You can, you can ask us about that. Um, but we met, and uh, very immediately, I knew that, that Anna was, was going to be the one. Um, not least of which because... Right around that time, the special edition of Star Wars had been released on VHS, the trilogy. And this woman, this is how much she loved me, she stayed up with me to watch all three movies after working a full day, back to back. So, and, and again, <laughs> before... Before I knew it, God, you know, God is, God is working in my life because he, he puts this wonderful woman in my life and gives me the wisdom, even though I didn't know it, to, to realize, you know, what I had. So I make it through EOD school, um, and I graduate, and I get my first assignment. Um, I volunteered to go anywhere in the world, and they sent me to New Jersey. So, <laughs> but again... Anna lives in Maryland, I live in New Jersey, so we're close enough that we can maintain that relationship. God is working in my life. Um, and so we date for, for a while, and then in 1999, we're married, and um, poor Anna, two, two, three months after we're married, two months after we're married, I deployed to Saudi Arabia. So gone for four or five months to Saudi Arabia. Um, Anna is now living in New Jersey, uh, you know, on her own uh, with, with Cameron, our son. And um, yeah, yeah, uh, amazing woman. So we were stationed in Jersey for about five years. And Anna is, uh, she is, she is a much more devout Christian than I am at this point. Um, I'm still very much the, you know, God, God does his thing, I do my thing. But... Thank God for Anna, because she's praying for me this whole time. And she becomes involved in a church uh, in New Jersey. And I, I went, I think, once or twice. But something inside me, I was, I was afraid of being judged. I hadn't had any particularly horrible church experiences growing up. But I think maybe coming from the Episcopal background and some Catholic school, I had, had gotten the idea and then, of course, the, the cultural idea at the time was that Christians were judgy. You know, if you went to church, they were, you were going to be judged unless you were perfect. And so I definitely wasn't perfect, so I resisted. But what I did do, and, and again, God moving in my life, I volunteered with the church to help out at certain events. And this is where I started to discover that I am a very, um, I used to call it practical Christian. I like to do things 
that are practical. I like to do things that are uh, concrete and solid. Um, and if I can do those in the church, in the word, that's more, all the better. So, again, God moving in my life saying, hey, how about you do, how about you do this? How about you, for, the, for the, the Christmas event, how about you wrangle some animals for the church? Help them, you know, take care of these creatures. Okay. Not knowing. So we're stationed in New Jersey for about five years, and uh, our, our, our second son, Paul, is born, 2002. A month later, we moved to Okinawa, Japan. So, yeah. Um, Okinawa, Japan is amazing. If you ever get the chance, check it out. Um, and so we moved to Japan. We're living in Japan for about a year. And a friend of mine who I've, who I've met asks me to attend church. He asks Anna and I, he says, hey, why don't you... Why don't you come to this church with us? I am Zion Christian Fellowship. Okay. I mean, I'm not, you know, at this point, I'm not opposed. I'm not really into it. And this is another time when God moved in my life. Because I met this friend um, through a gaming group. Because I'm a, I'm a giant nerd. Um, like, as if you couldn't tell by the Star Wars, you know, special edition story. Big old nerd. So we go to this church and... and this was the first time I had been in a charismatic church that really, I mean, really charismatic. Uh, the preacher, Pastor Whitaker, who is, has passed away, um, was amazing. He, he was a man on fire for God. And so he preaches, and the, the message was on nailing down your faith. And, like, this is the perfect message for me because my faith at that point needed to be nailed down. And as the service ended and the call came, if you want to know more about Jesus, raise your hand. And I felt the pull. I, I physically felt that I needed to raise my hand. And sure enough, that was the day that I reaffirmed, you know, what I had been baptized in and then confirmed through the confirmation process that I wanted to follow Jesus. And it was at that point, again, God moving in my life, that I started to become more active in in the faith um, and that worked out really well because 2005 was my first combat deployment to Afghanistan and that whole time through all four of my combat tours I know my wife was praying for me my church community was praying for me and again through all those times the grace of God protected me I have watched uh, a, a rocket propeller grenade skip off the hood of my Humvee um, I have been shot at. People have tried to blow me up. God, God is covering me, um, and and so it it really has been. You know, I've been able to see God in my life, um, and and so Zion Christian Fellowship was amazing through 2005, 2006, 2006. We moved here to New Jersey, and again. Um, found ourselves in a, in a church home, and once again, the, the church was, was, was good. It was a, a C3 was the name of the church. We met in an elementary school. It was a very small congregation, but I found myself once again drawn to participate in small groups, drawn to do the practical things, and that's where I started to realize, and I didn't, I didn't really know, but that's where I started to realize that that was... The, the small groups is what was going to become, I didn't know it at the time, but that was what was going to become a, a major component of my growth. 
in Jesus. So stationed here three and a half years, our third child Jane is born. And then two months later, much to my parents' chagrin, we moved to Germany. So this is the second child that's been born and we moved to a foreign country. And so my parents who are still on the East Coast, please forgive us, um, I blame the Air Force. So stationed in Germany, uh, another, another tour, um, we find a church again, Anna driving, driving us um, as the, the, the main pillar of faith in my life. Um, and I started, and I didn't know it again, but I had started in 2005 to sort of go down a dark, into a dark place. Um, you see things, things happen to you, and you, you, get, you get hurt, um, and you bury it because you have to press on, um, all the other things. Um, and it was there that I became more involved in small groups, studies, you know, again, things that I think kept me going along with my wife, who eventually saw where I was, how my issues were affecting the family, and said to me, you need help. And again, God bless my wife. God, thank God for giving, a, giving me a strong spouse. I listened to her. And again, God giving me the wisdom to listen to my wife. Um, I went and got help. And so that, I think, prevented me from, from really making some, some bad decisions. Um, that's ongoing. Uh, it's a mental health is something you, you, you work on the rest of your life. Um, when our time came to finish in Germany, we got orders back here, which I was thrilled about, Anna not so much. Um, she is, however, um, content here. And again, God working in our lives, um, giving me a strong wife. Uh, we, find, we find Crossroads. And Crossroads is the place where I have felt the most comfortable um, in my walk, and has, is so welcoming and wonderful. It's, it's a place where I have been able to really walk out what I needed to walk out in order to grow through my faith. And once again, it's been the small groups. It's been um, practical work in the community, delivering food during COVID, um, you know, working on on, on projects or doing things that, that need to be done that aren't necessarily super spiritual, but are, you know, are related to the, the church and are related to you know, God wanting us to go out and help. And so, um, yeah, just, just to sort of wrap it up, because I know I'm, I'm probably over my seven minutes. Um, the... God has brought me to this place, and, and in preparation for this event, he's, he spoke to me. He said, look, this, look back. Look at these times when you, know, you joined this small group or you did this volunteer thing. This is, this is where I have pushed you in that direction. This is where 
This is how you connect. This is how you show my presence to others. And so combine that with the Bible study on Fridays. And, and those two things really are, I think, super important if you are like me and you have been sort of going through your journey and maybe you don't, you know, you, you don't hear God in the same way as other people, you know, but you feel his presence when you do those things. Connect, do those things, connect with those small groups and you will be amazed at how much, when you think about it, when you pray, how much you'll realize uh, and how much you'll grow in your faith. So thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Dave. I, what, something I can relate with yours is I feel like sometimes I see everything through a rearview mirror, and then I have to look back and go, oh, yes, you were doing that. And, oh, yeah, God, there you were, and there you were. And it's important to, have, to look in that rearview mirror to see how God has been working along the way. And I will say thank you so much for being so transparent uh, about your mental health stuff, um, which can be, for, can be rightly so, so embarrassing to maybe talk about or fearful to open up about. And, uh, and I really appreciate you, you doing that. So thank you. Well, we still have one more to go. A good friend of mine, we've been on a similar journey of growth and, uh, and uh, love this lady a lot. Andrea Sweet, would you please welcome her? Thank you, my friend, for doing this. I know it's, it can be a little nervous, but you got this. We got, we're going to do this. We're going to pray. We're going to get crazy, all right? Let's do it. Lord, thank you for my friend who's up here today to get to talk about you and what you've been up to in her life, Lord Jesus. So, Lord, uh, just use this uh, young lady to um, share with us how beautiful and good you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, friend. Thank you. All right. I brought some pictures today. We can get... There they are. Okay. All right. Um, I'm Andrea Sweet, and this is my family. Um, my son, Jackson, my husband, Brad, and Renee. You've probably seen Jackson, or uh, Brad and Renee a bit. Jackson has moved to Idaho, and so we don't get to see him as often, but I'm excited because his birthday's coming up, so we're going to head up there. Um, and I'm a former teacher um, and now I'm a full-time uh, high school swimming coach. There's our team. Uh, so from about mid-August to mid-March, this is my life. I've got 40-plus teenagers that I am working with, and um, they are uh, they're awesome people. I mean, they're individuals. You think about people and teams of people, and everybody has their stuff, right, that they're bringing. And that includes me. And so sometimes we have some uh, locking horn moments, and other times it's just smooth sailing. And so I've grown a lot. Um, coaching these last 11 years um, has really been humbling for me, and I'm very grateful for being a coach. Um, we just had our region championships on Thursday. We came in second. They did fantastic. Um, and we've got states, yeah, our state competitions coming up in a couple of weeks. Um, and so, yeah, this was one of our team breakfasts at uh, Jeremiah's 
over winter break, and that was their goofy picture, as you could tell. Um, so these past weeks um, of sermons um, have been about, you know, the Word um, series that we've been in. And um, I, what I heard from listening to those sermons was about being coachable, so to speak, and walking out what God is stirring in you and uncovering any lies that maybe we're believing, um, lies that might hinder us from applying how we would walk out our faith. And something God's been stirring in me for a long time um, and that I get to walk out with you right now is sharing my faith, um, sharing the explanation for my faith. And I want you to know there was a lie I had been believing for a long time that made sharing uh, difficult for me. If we can put up that first Peter verse. First uh, Peter 3.15, instead you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to share it. I love that if someone asks. Right? It's, on, it's someone else's responsibility to get up the courage to come and talk to me. So, thanks, God. Uh, I'll wait. I'll wait for somebody to ask. And in the waiting for someone to ask, I started to wonder, God, why is no one asking me? <laughs> am I doing something wrong? Well, probably. Um, am I even a real Christian? Because if I were a real Christian... Um, wouldn't people come and ask? But the real problem was that I had a wrong core belief that, what, that it was my responsibility to bring somebody to faith. That if I were asked why I believe that I would need to say just the right things, just the right ways, so they would place their faith in Jesus. Without realizing it, I had taken on God's responsibility. And I've come to learn that I might plant a seed, I might water a seed, but I never grow it. That's God's job. So, in my curiosity, have you been asked to explain the reason you believe? Like, point blank. Why do you believe? Kind of like that, too. Maybe a little bit of aggressiveness in it. What would you say? Um, if we could put up that picture of my mom and dad. So these are my lovely parents. Um, they just celebrated their 60th anniversary. Yes. Dave and June. Dave and June. Um, I've been very fortunate to have these two as my parents. They're not perfect, just like all of us. Um, but they've taught me a few things along the way um, and given me some very wise counsel, and I'm very grateful for them. Um, my mom told me a long time ago, marriage is hard, and you have to work at it every day. Amen. Um, and she told my husband, Brad, when we were going to get married, make sure Andrea gets her sleep because you will not like her if she doesn't. <laughs> it's totally true. And my father was my guide when I messed up, and I've had some big mess-ups in my life. And he just accepted my mistakes. Uh, he didn't make them mean something about me. And we just kind of walked through it. So years ago, this is the reason I bring them into this story, um, years ago my father did ask me point blank the reason I believe. 
we were out on a walk, just the two of us, um, and I'm not sure where he was um, with God at that time. I know he'd been kind of looking at uh, maybe several different religions and trying to figure things out. Um, and over the years, he's embraced atheism, unless Jesus has had a talk with him lately that I don't know about. Um, and I sent up a quick prayer asking for help to not mess this up because a lot was riding on this question. And so I answered. I said, love. It was a one-word answer <laughs> on a six-mile walk. And, and it wasn't much of an explanation. Uh, totally not a wrong answer. It's actually a perfect answer. It's for those of us who know Jesus, it's totally true, right? It's just not an explanation. And I believed I had failed. I got another chance. Years later, he asked again, because God helps me, I said. And that's also true. And I added more sentences this time to try and explain and fill out this concept of him helping. But I ended up making God sound like a comforter or a crutch that I needed because I was weak. And I do, I do need him, especially when I feel weak. It's just not that great of an answer uh, or explanation to an atheist because they see all religion as a man-made construct created out of human weakness. So my explanation kind of proved his theory. So let's transition my dad and, and me here for a minute and, and look at something else that I think will enlighten all of this. I don't know if you're familiar with Oswald Chambers. Uh, he's a Scottish Baptist and theologian from the late 1800s. And he's the author of uh, My Utmost for His Highest. And he's referred to a person's transformation from acknowledging Jesus as your Savior to having a relationship with him where his way wins, where... Um, where you kind of die to yourself and you make him Lord over your life. You ask him to be. And he describes that moment as a person's white funeral. It's when you make an agreement with God to let him rule, to die to self. I acknowledged Jesus when I was little. I believed pretty much since I was seven or eight that Jesus was my Savior. I was in a church class called Alpha, though, uh, when my white funeral occurred, I was in my early 30s, and this most significant of moments happened because of reading Revelation 3.20. I stand at the door of your heart and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and share a meal with you, and we'll be friends. Um, this verse, um, every time I practiced, I did not tear up. Okay, thank you. I needed that little laugh. Okay, this verse echoed in my mind that evening, and later that night, I responded. I opened the door, I let him in, and by doing that, I started a real friendship, the kind of friendship where we're with each other all the time, and we uh, are closer and closer, closer than my friendship with my husband and with my kids. And I want you to know those two times uh, my dad asked me about my faith. They occurred after my white funeral. After I'd given my way to his way. And I'm coming on 20 years now in this friendship 
with Jesus and I have misunderstood his direction. I have misrepresented him. I've been a religious, judgmental, self-righteous, know-it-all kind of a Christian. And the more time I spend being friends with him, the less often I am these types of Christian. Jesus encourages me to drop the burden that comes when my old insecurities rise up, when I'm tempted to believe I am responsible for doing his job, like bringing people to Jesus because of how I share my faith. So recently, and completely by God's design, I came across an advertisement for how to share your faith in Jesus, a simple, authentic explanation of your faith. And this is the last picture, if you've got that. Um, There was an advertisement at the end of a book I'd been reading that said something like, learn to share Jesus with anyone in three steps, in three minutes or less. I thought, okay, that sounds good. The three minutes is hard for me, though. All right, step one. So here we're going to go through the steps. Step one, my life before Jesus. Like many of us, I put my value in what others thought of me. Was I pretty? Am I smart? Am I better than somebody else at something? Because I need to be better than somebody else in order to prove value to myself. And just recently, this old comparison insecurity flared up when I listened to someone else share their testimony, and it was amazing. And so I started that comparison thing with my testimony, but I recognized that insecurity and just moved on. Step two, when I believed, and were there any obstacles? I told you I believed at seven or eight, but it's when I had my white funeral that things changed for me, and my dad noticed. There were obstacles I had to believing, or were there obstacles? Absolutely. Um, Maybe you identify with some of these. Suffering and injustice in the world that God allows. I remember being so upset with God when the 2004 tsunami hit uh, Thailand, Sri Lanka area, and so many people died. And I asked my pastor at that time, it was a different church, um, I asked him, why would God be okay with this? And he just looked at me for a few minutes, really, there was a long pause, and he just said, remember, God is good. I didn't expect that for an answer, and I continued to wrestle with God for a while, but I did believe that God is good. Another obstacle I had, and this one's really silly, but it's me. If I make Jesus Lord over my life, what will he ask of me? Will he have me leave my husband and my kids and go be a missionary? (laughs) I really worried about that. I'm not saying that's not a good thing to go be a missionary, but surely he's not going to ask me to leave my husband and my kids. But I was afraid that because I was making him Lord over my life, you know, Is there going to be a cost? He's not like that. The last big obstacle I had, uh, what will my family and friends think if I go all in? She's a religious nut. She's weak. I don't relate to her anymore. Jesus is still dealing with that last one. But I continue to trust him and 
And my life continues to just move forward and with so many blessings. So part three of the final step, how has God changed me and my relationships since I made him Lord over my life? Well, first off, I see my purpose. I am not here to compete with anybody or gain anybody's approval. Yeah, that's a big freedom. Um, my purpose is to encourage others. I think that's why I'm a wife, a mom, and a coach. Um, number two for me, I'm never alone and I'm fully known. Nothing is hidden from God. And that used to kind of scare me a little bit, that nothing was hidden from God. But now it's, I see that as freedom. And uh, another one, he protects me. I kind of resonate with you, David. I, um, God has protected me quite a few times. Um, there's been times I put myself in harm's way from my own choices and times when I could have been really hurt, um, you know, in an accident. Um, there is one time, though, I'll share, um, because I can laugh about it now, um, it took me probably 25 years till I could laugh about it. Um, I was in college, um, and it was my doing. I had decided that I should drive all of my friends home in my friend's car because I was the least intoxicated of all of us. That's that self-righteous streak I have. And um, ended up with a DUI, spent the night in jail, missed morning swim practice, had to tell my coach, and, of course, tell my parents about it. And God was there. He protected me. He protected us from getting into an accident or getting into um, other kinds of trouble. Um, and there, it was scary in jail. And God protected me. I was in a completely different area, so I wasn't with everybody else who had gotten arrested that night. Um, and, and I was scared. And I was really, I didn't realize that he was protecting me in that, but he was. And he taught me a lesson, too. Um, and I'll tell you, um, that was one of those times I had mentioned where my dad just put his arm around me, walked me through it. He didn't judge me or think I was a bad person. Yeah. Okay, so how has God changed my relationships? Um, when I don't understand why something's happening or when I'm hurt or I've hurt somebody else, I know God's going to work it all out. It's going to be okay. He draws me in, and that helps give me, gives me courage to ask somebody for forgiveness. And he helps me extend forgiveness to other people more quickly. And that's what helps uh, restore my relationships. My relationships are stronger. They're more transparent. They're just better because of forgiveness. And... Uh, this is why I believe my explanation. I think it was a little longer than three minutes, um, but I think uh, I just want to thank God right now. It's brilliant. He's been working on this with me for a long time, um, and he he let me share with a script <laughs> because I'm not the greatest communicator, and when I get to follow along, man, that that helps me know that I'm saying what I'm trying to say. And somehow I'm a coach, and that you're supposed to be great at communication as a coach. I don't know, somehow God has me there, and there must be some good moments uh, that are happening. Um, and so, to close up, I'm sure God has been stirring you uh, to walk something out, something to apply. 
not just to learn and to know in yourself, but to share somehow. And maybe he's been stirring you to work on your explanation of faith. That website I referenced uh, was really helpful to me. And if you're interested in using it and looking into it, it's myhopewithbillygram.org. And something else that has helped me understand God's stirring is to talk with somebody about it. And for me, I really like journaling. I really hear God clearly when I'm writing out my prayers and questions. So lastly, um, during prayer time, when we close up today, Adam had mentioned the speakers will be up front. And if there's anything, you know, that God's been stirring in you that you'd like some prayer about, I would absolutely love, that would be my honor to pray with you about it. So thanks very much for listening, everybody. Thank you. Uh, David Baker, Anna, can you join? Lindsay, can you come? Tag one of your parents or someone over there to come with you. They're gonna, yeah, there's mom. There she goes. Uh, can I have uh, anybody else on our prayer teams come up and, uh, and join us? And um, guys, we're going to close with giving an opportunity uh, for you to, to fellowship with one another, to talk, or come get some prayer. If their testimony touched you in some way and maybe connected with your story, uh, don't leave. Uh, maybe you just need to go, hey, can we get coffee? Can you share with me more? Because I've been on a similar journey towards trying to not neglect myself, towards being in in small groups, dealing with any mental health stuff that I have. Uh, Or maybe you can relate to hers. Like if someone came up to you today and was like, so why do you believe? You'd be like, oh my gosh, no. Why is this happening? God, you know, uh, she can relate to all of that. And, uh, And you guys did it. Thank you so much. I think what, I, what blessed my heart so much is seeing you guys be so transparent about stuff that we just have to talk about out loud because the enemy loves to hide in the shadows and in the darkness and kind of do his work. When we just get this stuff out there, healing can come. The light comes in. So I'm going to close this in prayer, but if you would like some more prayer, please stay and come and get it. So Lord Jesus, we thank you for this Sunday. We thank you that you're the author of our story and you're not done writing Yet, Lord Jesus, come and bring salvation. Anybody here who's not yet experienced it, uh, give hope to those who are wondering, Lord, God, when am I ever going to get better? When's this ever going to, when am I ever going to feel stronger? Lord Jesus, give us courage and faith to know that, uh, Lord, you're going you're gonna to rightly make us feel uncomfortable at times. And someone may ask us that question, but we, we actually have a story. We have a testimony. Cause all of us that are followers of Jesus to look and to pause long enough to go, what is my story? What have you done, Jesus, in me that I could share with someone who asks? So, Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your tremendous, tremendous grace. Where would we be without it? And may we be people who are generous with it. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for being here, friends. Come give prayer if you need it. Please don't leave if you need prayer. Have a great Sunday.